And sometimes when God is silent, we misinterpret and think that, well, I've, I've done something wrong or he, he doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. This is Overcoming Performance Christianity, the podcast that leads you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. If you're a longtime Christian, but something's missing in your relationship with God, that you might be caught up in performing for the Lord. Find out more as we dive into this episode of Overcoming Performance Christianity. Hi, I'm John Fugler on the road from performance to relationship in my walk with Christ, and I'm taking you with me, helping you gain freedom from the bondage of performance Christianity. This podcast does that. A bit about me, I'm a lifetime, or I should say a lifelong Christian media guy. Yeah, I was born with a microphone in my hand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm a husband, a father, and a grandfather of nine. I'm an author, and I'm also the CEO of Fresh Faith 24-7, where we lead you on a path to freedom in your walk with Christ. Check it out at freshfaith247.com. As I ask in every show at the beginning, are you ready to get to know Jesus? Paul said, what's more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Uh, that verse is gold, Philippians 3.8. Well, in this episode, I want you to meet two people, and they'll share their stories with their bout with performance Christianity. But first, I'll, I'll ask you this. I'm full of questions, as I always am. Have you taken the spiritual self-assessment? You've heard about it on this podcast if you've listened before. I want to find out how you're doing in your relationship with God. Uh, you might know already. Most of us do, but this will get more specific. And I developed this spiritual self-assessment to give you some answers about the health of your relationship with Christ. And it takes just three minutes to go through it. Some probing questions at the end, as you analyze this, it'll give you the honest truth about your relationship with Christ. So I encourage you, go get it now. Take it. It's free, of course. Go to my website, freshfaith247.com. I'll also have the link in the show notes. Oh my, oh my, June 7th. It's less than a month away. And, and why is that important to me? <laughs> Uh, it's because that's when my new book comes out called Silence Your Inner Pharisee. Here's the subtitle, Ditch Performance and Embrace Radical Freedom in Christ. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know that the message of this book is, is near and dear to my heart. You know, somebody told me that we're all performers to some degree in our relationship with God. But, you know, there's something more for some of us because... For some of us, performance dominates our Christian lives. We tell ourselves, I'm okay, I'm right with God. Uh, things are just fine, but deep inside we know something's wrong. That was my story for decades, and it might be your story right now. So are we Pharisees? No, no, not that, right? <laughs> oh, no. Well, uh, I wrote this book. Uh, silence your inner Pharisee to challenge the longtime believer to think differently about his or her relationship with Christ. So it's coming out June 7th. And what's this book all about? Well, maybe your story is that you've been giving Jesus your best for years. Uh, you've faithfully obeyed and you've served him. You've, you've led others to Christ. You've discipled them. You've mentored them to maturity. You might even serve in the kids' ministry at church. God bless you, those who do that. You're heroes. 
Uh, you might be in a Bible study, leading a Bible study, leading a small group, and you have this appearance of being a stellar Christian example. You're doing all the right things, but you're dying inside. You know it, but others don't. Maybe you feel distant from God. He's a cold being rather than a warm friend. Well, that was my story, and that was my motivation for, for writing this book. And now, after a couple years, it's it's ready to be a reality, June 7th. And I hope that through this book, if I've described you or somebody you know, you'll see this as an opportunity for, to move from frustration to freedom in your walk with Christ. And quite plainly, I, I tell you how to ditch performance and really, truly embrace radical freedom in Christ. Freedom. I did that. And after decades of Christian leadership and service, God changed my life. And, and what I've done, because you can go through principles and tell people things and show people things, but I've included stories of longtime believers who are on this path to freedom in their walk with Jesus. No, they don't have it all together. But you read about their struggles. You'll read how they're experiencing victory. In fact, I got a couple of these folks on my show today, and you're going to hear them personally tell their story. So June 7th, the release of Silence Your Inner Pharisee, Ditch Performance and Embrace Radical Freedom in Christ. And like my other books, it'll be available on Amazon in Kindle and print. Now, as I've mentioned, I got two guests on my show today. Uh, They were on my show, in fact, in this podcast in the early days. And their stories were so good, I asked them to write them up for the book. And then I've I've taken their story that they shared with us in those podcasts. I got them here and kind of telescoped them. First of all, it's uh, Larry Walters. He's my first guest, a longtime believer. He's a good friend, Larry boy, and uh, a fellow Christian broadcaster and a discipler of men. So let's hear what Larry has to say. I'd like to start at the beginning. And uh, was your conversion to Christ a dramatic one? I mean, how did you come to know Jesus? Yeah, it, it kind of was dramatic in some ways, John. In fact, uh, whenever I share my story, um, there are some that uh, would say, well, gosh, that, that sounds a little far-fetched. But here's what happened. I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Uh, so I went to Sunday school and Bible school, and I knew all about God and Jesus and Holy Spirit, but never one time do I recall in the church that I grew up in hearing that I could have a relationship with Christ. And um, there was a, a series of events that God so perfectly orchestrated to introduce me to himself. Uh, it kind of went like this. I, I was in eighth grade. I was 14. Prior to that time, I was the guy that was always in fights and in trouble and caused my parents all kinds of grief and and problems and uh, didn't really have a very good relationship with them as a result. But I had an older brother, Alan. Um, He was six years older than I was. And um, he went to uh, Texas Christian University. And the first day that he was on campus, somebody shared with him a little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. And that's where he asked Christ into his heart. He began to pray for me on a regular basis and encourage me to read my Bible. Well, because we were close and I just really looked up to him and respected him, I started to read the Bible every day. 
and uh, didn't really know what I was doing. But I, <laughs> I thought, well, Alan told me I'm supposed to do this. So I guess I'm supposed to do it. <laughs> and um, the problem was, John, is I, I had such uh, a tendency toward lying. I mean, gosh, I could look my mom and dad in the face or other authority figures in the face uh, and just bald face lie to them. And and I was so fearful all the time of getting caught. Well, as God would um, have this arranged, there I was. I'd been reading my Bible for probably six months or so. Went to my eighth grade math class where a teacher of mine had become a really good friend. Well, in those days, you had two grades. You had either the, um, you had both the academic grade and then what was called the citizenship grade. Citizenship was, you know, your behavior. Oh, I remember. I remember. You remember that? Yep. Yep. Okay. All right. So in my household, man, oh man, citizenship was almost more important than the academic. So uh, we were very much expected as kids to, to get high grades, both academically and citizenship. I go to this eighth grade class, math class. Uh, remember, Mrs. Niece was her name. And we had become good friends. I, I felt like she really trusted me. And by that time, I'm 14 years old. I'm, I'm starting to recognize, I, I don't think I want to be in fights anymore. I, I think I want to start settling down. And, um, and yet still had this propensity toward lying all the time. Well, there was a situation where she had a substitute on a Thursday. And then Friday, she came back and started reading off the names of all the kids whose names got written down on the list by the substitute for goofing around. And my name, sure enough, comes up. And I'm like, oh, man, how am I going to lie my way out of this one? (laughs) So she calls me up after class and um, and asked me about it. And I, I just did what I had so oftentimes did, John. I, I lied to her. I said, no, it wasn't me. There must be some kind of a mistake. And uh, she was wise enough to say, well, why don't you think about it over the weekend and then we'll talk again on Monday. Man, John, I, I walked home that day and that was probably the first time that I ever felt a lot of remorse and guilt and shame over what I had done. Were you still reading the Bible at this time too? I, I was. As a matter of fact, okay. I got home and I tried to read my Bible that night and I just couldn't. And back and forth, back and forth. I mean, I'm just fighting with God back and forth for, you know, like two hours. Read the Bible, turn off the light, try to go to sleep, turn the light back on, try to read the Bible, can't do it, turn off the light, try to go back to sleep. I mean, it just went on for about two hours. And now here's the dramatic part. I mean, Jesus and his incredible love just really made his presence known to me in a very special way in my room that night. I felt this wash of peace and love come over me like I had never felt before. And I can just visibly remember, graphically remember, being on my knees next to my bed and just saying, Oh, yes, Jesus, I will. I wanted him in my heart. So after that um, experience, probably, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, I decided, well, I can't lie to my parents anymore. I need to tell them what happened. So room is in the basement. I go upstairs. I tell my mom and dad what happened. They were surprisingly, you know, really supportive and said, well, you really need to go back to school on Monday and ask for her forgiveness and, you know, tell her so what you told done. them about uh, the lying 
you didn't tell them about inviting Christ into your life. Well, I remember what I said was something's different. Something happened to me. I feel like I really met God tonight. And they didn't have that much of a response to it. And so I just knew there was this amazing peace and courage in my heart like I had never had before. The very next day on Saturday, my brother Alan comes home from college. I share with him what happened. Like a good Campus Crusade guy, he says, well, we need to go through the four spiritual laws. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he took me through that. I pray the sinner's prayer. And then Monday, I went back and asked Mrs. Neese for forgiveness. And she said, well, I knew you were lying, but uh, I'm really proud of you for coming forward and telling me. And thankfully, oh, the first miracle of my life, probably, God gave me a C. She gave me a C in... <laughs> In citizenship instead of an F like I should have gotten. C for confession, right? <laughs> That's right. Good. <laughs> hey, uh, Larry, as we talk about this whole thing of intimacy with Christ, uh, we don't live life in a vacuum. Life happens. Trials, tribulations, tough times, seasons, some short and some long. Um, when life overwhelms you and and, and Jesus fades into the distance. How do you recover that relationship and joy? Uh, how, how do you do that when there's, mm. there seems to be a block, whether it's a tough circumstance or just a time of staleness, how do you get back into that relationship? Boy, that is such a good question, John, because yeah, we all do go through seasons. And, and sometimes when God is silent, we misinterpret and think that, well, I, I've done something wrong or he, he doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. Um, sometimes God just uh, says, I, I just, I want to enjoy time with you. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to teach you anything over the course of this next six months. I just want you to enjoy being with me. I had to learn that discipline. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, John, um, never ever would I have thought that my wife of 32 years would betray me and be unfaithful and divorce me. And you were so instrumental along with several other men and women in Christian radio and helping me get through that uh, extremely difficult time. I, I never felt like during that time that God was silent. In fact, um, quite the opposite. He kept reminding me that it's not if, but when the storms in life come, uh, if you have a strong foundation, then everything else above ground is going to stand. And although there was a lot that was washed away above ground, the foundation was solid in mm. Jesus. And he kept reminding me, John, almost from the outset, I mean, just literally within probably the first couple of hours of discovering her affair, um, I, I remember him speaking so clearly to my heart from Joel 2.25. And it says, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. And he is. Um, God sometimes gives me themes for the year. And, uh, and I remember that very first year of just being, you know, devastated and needing to rely upon you and other Christian leaders um, all across the nation that, that God had used to mentor me and disciple me and love on me. I really had to lean into, okay, I know God's word, the foundation is solid, 
but I can't act like I'm not hurting right now. I need to be really transparent. Sometimes it would be, you know, three in the morning and I, and I couldn't sleep, but I knew I had friends on the East coast that were up at six and (laughs) I'd be able to call and pray in the middle of the night Pacific time. I just, I really had to learn that, um, that freedom and restoration and love and joy those were the themes that God began to give me that that very first year it was freedom. The second year it was restoration. The third year it was love. And this year it's joy. And I'm learning that the joy of the Lord truly is my strength. You talk about fresh faith in real life. And that's it, Larry, right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did walk with you through that and, and watching you grieve and, keep coming back to the Lord. And it was an emotional time for you. Mm-hmm. And just to hear your story now, how the Lord led you through behind the scenes in, in your times with him, I guess were so rich. I mean, how, how did you approach the Lord during, during this time? What, what's your, what's your secret? I mean, what, what kept it going so that you were able to be fed and that relationship was rich? Well, it it went back to what we talked about from the outset, John. Even before I knew Jesus, it was that six months of reading the Bible (laughs) before I asked Christ into my heart. That's been the foundation. Um, Some days I I would just literally read full chapters of the Bible. Um, This is my 11th year uh, through the Bible cover to cover. I I use the uh, Mm. daily audio Bible app with Brian and Jill Harden. And um, I, I just, I listen to it when I walk. I listen to it in the morning sometimes when I'm getting ready. Sometimes um, I'll just go and sit on my patio and listen to the birds in the morning singing and I'll listen to the daily audio Bible. And there's something about hearing the spoken word that causes you to hear it differently um, or, or maybe understand it differently than if you just are reading it mm-hmm. because it really causes you to pay careful attention. Like you and I are paying careful attention to what each other is saying. When I hear Brian read the scriptures, it's like, wow, I've, I've heard that story for 40 plus years now, but I never heard it that way before. I've seen Larry's life change over the past several years. And I know it's because he's discovered intimacy with Christ. He is a guy who has ditched performance. And uh, I'm glad you got a chance to hear his story. It's all summed up as he told it in my book coming out June 7th. Then there's Ralph Stores. Ralph has experienced a 180-degree turnabout in his life. For those of us who are performers, performance Christianity is always nipping at our heels. It's trying to grab us. (laughs) And for Ralph... uh, He's making great progress. I've seen it in his life. You'll hear about it in this interview. Ralph's a men's ministry leader at his church. He delivers the sermon several times a year, too, from the pulpit. He's in media ministry with TWR. And Ralph and I take regular walks to solve the problems of the world. <laughs> We're working through performance Christianity. That's the truth. It's This is a work in progress. So, Here's my interview with my good friend, Ralph Stores. 
I know in the last uh, two or three years, you and I have gotten to know each other and I've I've walked alongside you literally in your journey because we've taken a lot of walks together and I'm hearing what God's doing in your life. And I wanted other people to hear about that too. I don't know your whole story yet. So I'm going to find out a little bit about this. I know we have a kindred spirit in, in some ways, but let me just ask this question. Um, describe Ralph Stores three years ago as a mature believer. Oof. Yeah, and, and you and when I say the word mature, you're going to go well based on the direction that you're going. You're going toward burnout and everything, <laughs> and and I'll tell you right now, John. Just in asking that question, this is what I love so much about the premise of what you're doing with Fresh Faith, of people who've been believers for a while and may have gotten, may have started out with Fresh Faith on a regular basis, and then sort of started moving in a direction where things got more performance and things and, and stagnant. But I would say three years ago, uh, John, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a type A personality. You know me. I'm a hard charger, a hard driver. Um, you know, uh, the, uh, I, had, I had two gears, uh, fast and faster. And uh, I didn't know the meaning of the word rest. Uh, and, and I would say that based on where I was going at church, even though I was active in church and engaged with my family, engaged with my children uh, and, and, and working and, and, and aggressively going after the gospel and, and working hard, uh, traveling overseas all the time and on the go, on the go, on the go. Uh, I can tell you uh, it got to the point where um, uh, I was I, I was nothing but a, I was a Martha all the way, and, and uh, there were fewer and fewer times where I really felt that intimacy with God that 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 I was seeking. And so um, this is going on coming up on two years, but nineteen twenty months now. Uh, a a switch flipped. I made it. I made a couple very significant. Uh, uh, very significant changes in my life. Well, let me that, go back uh, to where, where you're at there that you described yeah. that. I want to camp on that for just sure. a minute. Uh, did you, you knew something was wrong. You knew something was missing. How would you describe your, your walk with Christ at the time? Uh, very performance and perf uh, it was much more performance and perfunctory. It, 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 it was more like, and all the things that I was doing, it was more, some days it was drudgery, other days it was duty, and very rarely did I get back to that delight phase, and mm. that is what I was really, uh, I could, you know, uh, a busy schedule, uh, doing all the things for the Lord, but not moving in that direction of intimacy with the Lord, and I just felt that there was a drift, even my, my Bible reading uh, I'm, I'm a teacher and stuff. I love to teach. I love to uh, preach. But my Bible reading, my prayer life, um, uh, other other spiritual disciplines were definitely taking on much more of a uh, much of a performance type of a thing, rather than those disciplines being the means to greater intimacy mm -hmm. with God. And those are. That's the journey I've been down, John, the last uh, almost two years now in in recapturing that. And, you know, so you were a doer. You, you oh, were, I'm, you were, I'm a doer. I, you were I was preaching, you were teaching, you were a full time Christian service. And, and so on the outside, did anybody detect there was something wrong on the outside or were you putting up a good front? 
I, you know, probably putting up a pretty good front. Uh, you know, those closest to you sometimes can see, hey, I'm seeing a little bit of cracks in the wall here. You look, uh, you look stressed. Uh, you don't look relaxed or rested and everything. You know, if you take a look at the word relax in the Bible, you know how they have antonyms in, in, in the thesaurus? They have the opposites. Mm -hmm. uh, you would have seen Ralph's name at the opposite end of that. <laughs> to try to put rest and relaxation in the same sentence or the same word with Ralph stores, that would not have happened. You know, my wife would, says, you don't know how to relax. Mm. And, uh, and some of it started, uh, you know, uh, John, there's a lot of... Um, while there are spiritual and, and things that are going on, there are also pressures and things that are going on. What was going on in technology, the always being connected, mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, you know, the, the digital side of, of always being on call, always having the cell phone mm -hmm. there, always, you know, always, always, always. That was just it. And never just taking time uh, for the simplicity of, of following Christ. And how would you, it, it, how would you describe how would you paint the picture and describe your life today then? Who is Ralph Stores today? I would say without without trying to, to make it sound like all of a sudden I've become the guru on rest or anything like that. I think today, if you use if you use the dictionary, um, Ralph may be uh, one of the words in the thesaurus that you would look for for rest. I, I really have made a, a huge change. And it was a spiritual change. It was a physical change. And it, I, I think it was an emotional change, a series of decisions that I made that uh, I'm not, haven't, I wouldn't say I've arrived, but man, the journey over the last two, 20 months or so has been so satisfying and so relaxing. You know, it's almost I started that journey actually before COVID-19 started. And, you know, people have talked about COVID, of, of, of God putting the world on a timeout and stuff. Um, in many ways, as a result of the journey that I was on, as a result of COVID, I've actually thrived. I, I, I consider myself much more thriving mm. than I did beforehand. And COVID... 19 and some of the circumstances around it reinforced the decisions and the things that God was speaking into my heart um, to where it made a, it made a pretty radical change. And um, John, I think, you know, just in the time that we've known each other, um, I think you can you can tell that that I've, uh, I've I've had some definite changes in practices of yes. just how I govern my life. I, and I've noticed that. And I reflect back on that whole concept of rest. And I, we were reading a book together called Rest. And the subtitle is Why You Get More Done When You Work Less. Yeah. <laughs> but it speaks to the practicality of rest. I, I just found this book fascinating. I know you did too, Ralph. I did. And John, actually, it's been quite a journey. I would say if, um, if the one thing in the last 20 months that was just so rekindled, that was so refreshing, is I've always been an, a, a ferocious reader. And that came back. I began reading, and I have a list of probably 
25 books now. And John, I know every time I turned around, I said, John, you got to try this one. You got to try this one. And, and I have, I've tried a lot of those. And you poke at me. And, and it started with, I did a biblical study on Sabbath, on rest, and looked at what the Old and New Testament said about the rest and the Sabbath. And it was so amazing, the times that Jesus talked about how, uh, and the Lord talked about how Israel profaned the Sabbath. And, 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 you know, and then Jesus makes that classic statement, um, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And, and the Pharisees got it just completely and totally mixed up. But I began reading that book, uh, a book by Adam Mabry, a pastor called The Art of Rest, we, John, we recently wrote a uh, read a book called He Sat Down, So yep. Can You. Um, and then I looked at a series of both spiritual as well as professional books. Um, I started looking at people like Eisenhower and Winston Churchill and, and all these guys uh, back in the years and how they got so much done. They wrote volumes and stuff. And yet their lives, when you read their autobiographies and stuff, you see that they rest was a, a rhythm of their life that brought about rest and creativity and, and, and uh, relaxation. As a matter of fact, it's proven through this book, Rest and others, that when you take, instead of seeing recreation as oh, he must be lazy or something or not doing anything is somehow, if you're not on call 24-7, doing something all the time that you're uh, lazy or something and, and, and not driven enough. The opposite is true. Some of your best solutions and creativity actually from the workplace come while I'm running, while I'm reading, while I'm in recreation, while I'm resting, uh, a lot of the, and, and, and it, there's actually physiological things that happen in terms of the creativity and the connection mm. and stuff. And so this journey of exhausting the scriptures when it came to, uh, when it came to rest and, and, and rhythms, uh, and then reading all these books. And then in terms of workflow and how I was working also. Let me, let um, me ask you a question before you yeah. jump into that. You mentioned uh, in the scriptures, of course, uh, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, That's like that the, my, that's the rest verse <laughs> in the Bible, and we all go yeah. to that one. And there's probably, you know, we got two or three others. Uh, yep. where, where do you camp? What did the Lord open up for you? And where do you, what do you keep going back to in the word? Well, I definitely camped on, 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 on that passage, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. And then the, the, the passage with Martha and Mary, you know, I, I read that and I read it and, and, you know, most of us, we turn around, especially if you're a type A personality, we somehow always end up somehow thinking we have to defend Martha uh, because that's where we find ourselves so much. And we go, you know, Hey, I can understand why Martha was upset. You know, her sister was doing this and this and that. And Jesus was not so much saying what Martha, you're wrong for doing things, but he very clearly said, Mary has chosen the better thing and it will not be taken away from her. And, and it was that whole area of sitting at the feet of Jesus. Um, I, I camped on that area uh, several years ago. I read this book 
two times a year, whether I think I need it or not. And, and you'd think that I would have really gotten it and I would have never been in that rat race type of uh, uh, frenzy from three years ago. But uh, Chuck Swindoll wrote this little book called Intimacy with the Almighty. Mm. And he talked about four principles, the need for simplicity, for reordering our lives. And actually, I actually did a lot of study, uh, John, on essentialism and minimalism. And you and I have a book that we really like also called The One Thing. You know, in essentialism, it's the, uh, the most of the world is the undisciplined pursuit of more. It's always more, 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 more. And essentialism says the disciplined pursuit of less, but better. And it's, it's how we order our lives and how we focus on those few things. But going back on those passages, uh, Chuck Swindoll talked about the need for simplicity. He talked about silence. He talked about solitude. And he talked about surrendering to the Lord. And uh, the one that I've really been camping on recently is that whole surrender, that mm-hmm. yielding to the Lord. But all, but that's the scripture verses where I go to, and then, and then just going to Exodus, and it says, <laughs> you should, you know, the Sabbath. Now a lot of people think the whole Sabbath, you know, Jesus is our rest, and and I understand all that, but that does not negate the the need for rhythms for rest. Um, you know, a lot of the things that fell into play was relaxation, eating right, exercising. Um, the, the spiritual disciplines and rhythms of life that, that, that I was going through. And it, it, it really, it really made a difference, John. And I just, I just became, uh, I became ruthless mm-hmm. in the elimination of some of those things. That almost was, seems contradictory, doesn't it? You yes, are ruthless. It, yeah. But, you know, I talk about the fresh faith 24 seven is, a movement of believers desperate to know Jesus. And there is something active about that desperation of knowing Jesus, the the ruthlessness of finding rest. I'm a firm believer in rest, Ralph. Uh, Let me ask you this. As you um, look at your relationship with God now, that intimacy with Jesus, Mm -hmm. how is that different because of what's happened over the last 20 months or so. Yeah. John, I'm I'm actually getting I, I'm getting goosebumps. I'm not showing you my arms right now, but I get goosebumps when I think about that because as uh, 3 years ago as I was, you know, didn't know the definition of the word rest. I, I, if it would have hit me in the head, you know, um the and I talked about how even in my spiritual walk I wasn't resting at all. It was always go, 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 you know, read another verse, study another scripture, do this, do that. And one of the things that happened for me in, in that desire for intimacy was a real change in how I was, how I viewed the spiritual disciplines, John. Um, You know, when we look at the spiritual disciplines of, of prayer and the Bible, and fasting and giving and, and, and th- the things that we look at journaling and things like that, you know, a lot of people, and I think I got caught up in it too. The disciplines became the means in themselves. They sort of represented the marks of maturity 
and, and spirituality. And that wasn't the case at all. It's the disciplines are the avenue toward greater intimacy with Christ. And let me explain that. Um, I liken it to the scaffolding. It, you know, you look at this beautiful, you look at this building and this building is needing to be restored or something. And, and builders will put up a scaffolding. And the purpose of the scaffolding is to have access to the building so that, so that they can repair or they can look at it or, uh, and, 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 and refresh it or restore it or something like that. And if you look at uh, that building in, 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 in one way as your relationship with God of getting toward God, in other words, the disciplines are the means to get to God. At the end of the day, after that building is finished, nobody says, wow, look at that scaffolding. Isn't it beautiful? They go, look at that beautiful building. And I think that's the way that I was treating the disciplines, John. I was treating the disciplines as an end in themselves, as the scaffolding, rather than what the scaffolding was designed to do, to get me into a, uh, to a greater position to see the building. The, I read the Bible not so I can check it off my list and say, oh, got that one done, so I must be spiritually mature. I prayed for 20 minutes today. You know, it's, it's, it's devotion, not duration sometimes. Uh, it's not how long am I saying, it's, it's, it's the devotion to that. And the disciplines really moved from duty to delight. Mm. And, uh, I de and the scripture says, I delight to do thy word, O Lord. And what I found is, as I was reading, the purpose for reading is to get to know and to have greater intimacy with the Lord. My purpose for prayer is to be able to communicate with the living God. My purpose for fasting was to say, God, um, this is how much I miss you and love you. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to fast, whether it be from food or from something else, because I have this desperation and this deep desire to know you more intimately. And so I think one of the things that really flipped the switch was how I was viewing the disciplines. And I had really allowed the disciplines to drive me rather than using those disciplines to draw me closer to the Lord. So it was a, it went from a driving force to a drawing force. Yeah, it's like the cart before the horse, and now you yeah. get the horse in front of the cart. And there's Ralph Stores. And uh, Ralph has started a ministry, by the way, that you got to check out. It's very new. It's called The Rest Stop. He's been doing audio and video blogs, written ones too, of course, and every week he comes out with a new one. And you can check it out at thereststop.org. As you can tell, rest is very important to Ralph as he's turned the corner and God's turned his life around. And, and the rest stop is excellent. So thereststop.org will also include that in the show notes. Well, you've heard the, the detailed stories uh, from two men who are featured in my upcoming book, Silence Your Inner Pharisee. And as I said earlier, I could I could just share principle after principle about escaping the bondage of performance Christianity, but we, we really need to see how this works in real life, where the rubber meets the road. And that's why these stories and the other ones in the book are so important. I believe God will change your story too. Hey, but that's for the next episode, okay? And in the next episode, uh, the topic that was supposed to be in this episode, but I preempted it. Uh, knowing Christ requires diligence. That's 
what the topic is. Uh, not performance, but diligence. And I'll show you what the difference between those two are because we don't want to dive back into performance Christianity. I, I plan to cover that this time, as I said, but I wanted our guests to share their stories with you. And there'll be another guest story on the next episode as well. So as we close here, I remind you to take my spiritual self-assessment. Just go to freshfaith247.com. Get it, take it. It's only three-minute exercise. And then there's follow-up questions that will help you probe deeper in your relationship with God. So take care. I'll talk to you next time on Overcoming Performance Christianity.